Welcome back, everybody, to the SUP Podcast. I'm your host, Bryce. Mason. And Andy is not here today, unfortunately. So we're running the the dual podcast. No special guests this week. Um, so it might be a shorter, it probably will be a shorter uh, podcast this week. But anyways, what's new? What's exciting, Mason? Uh, not a whole lot. It's just the typical work week, like I said. Um, golf tournament coming up. Um in the central Wisconsin area, the U.S. Senior Open. I mentioned that in the last week's podcast, um, which has also gotten me in the season of golfing myself. I, I'm not a huge, avid golfer, uh, but I do like to go out here here and there. Um, and I'm trying to get more into the routine of it now that I have a steady job. Um, I'm also looking forward to the NBA draft tomorrow night because I enjoy keeping up with the NBA like that. Um, and players and kind of stuff that interests me. So that's on the short-term radar for now, other than stuff that I'm sure we're going to get into talking-wise. So Draft, draft night is uh, always something special. I don't, I've never watched anything other than um, the NFL draft, but I know like I get excited watching the first night of draft. I mean, it's the second and third night are kind of like a little bit slower, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, we mentioned it in a couple uh, ep- a couple episodes episodes ago now that the the drafts can be in Green Bay, so yes, um, that's, yeah, that's kind of exciting to look forward to. Yeah, and the NFL does a lot better job marketing their draft than the NBA. Granted, there's more players, more popular sport, more players pan out in the NFL than the NBA, but I enjoy both of them nonetheless. So. How many how many people end up getting drafted in the the NBA draft? So there's two rounds of 30 teams each. So a typical year has 60 picks. This mm-hmm. year there is only 58 because two teams had to forfeit picks based on you know violating league rules or something. So are those like first round picks or second? Uh, second round. Usually when oh. you get into the second round, the picks uh, very rarely pan out, other than Guys like Nicole Jokic, who won the championship this year, but that's very rare. It's kind of a slap in a wrist, honestly, of a punishment. But yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Plus, since the market, I feel like the NBA market is always just shifting for teams. You don't really have a really stagnant team for a long time. I don't mm-hmm. know. That's how I feel five years. Like when I, every time I listen. Yeah. Yeah. So. Five years, five different champions. So, anyways, how has your week been? Um, it's been good. I. Uh... Had a wedding this past weekend. That was a lot of fun. Um, officially starting wedding season for me. Yeah. Um, what else? We had uh, didn't have to work this week. Um, so it's been kind of good being on my down low. I've been playing a lot of World of Warcraft on the new expansion. Um, off off stream. I don't know. I've just been kind of enjoying the time today. This morning actually, I had a um. A meeting with a prospective PI for rotation in the lab um, for my upcoming PhD program, which was cool. Um, she was super nice and everything, mm. so it was good to keep my uh, those gears turning again. Um, yeah, a bunch of information about orientation week and stuff like that. So I mean, the gears are starting to go and roll up. For what should be an exciting school year, I would think. Oh yeah, 
it's it's different now that you're transitioning probably into the the graduate school realm from the yeah. typical four year looking forward to what that entails now that you're kind of trying to start life simultaneously at the same time but still going for that degree yeah it's it's weird because like even the conversation with the pi she it's like yeah i have two young kids like um it it i try to stick to a strong schedule you know monday to friday 9 30 to 5 you know in and out work at like a normal job and then i remember like well i'm also in school and she's like well you're same pace but then it's like well whatever pace i choose is gonna dictate how long i end up spending because first of all i gotta find something that's paper worthy get my name on it and that's basically the minimum requirement um i gotta be able to defend my thesis and the time that takes you know be anywhere mm-hmm. from four to six seven years um, yeah it depends how invested you get into it and what's your aspirations which probably change depending on just where you are in life i know i've experienced that but yeah probably a different realm at the graduate level now you're making big bucks right now and getting a job or working the job is it nine to five or what's your hours like uh technically it's eight to four thirty get the half hour lunch but yeah it's here it's a little bit nicer than nine to five if i'm being honest you get a little you get an extra hour at night seems like for me because i would probably wake up at the same time anyways so yeah that makes a huge difference for sure all right well um so i sent the the itinerary over to you today and for your listeners um we have not really a a big podcast this week um with andy not being here didn't want to make it overly um overwhelming plus we want i also wanted to make some room for um testing just like a shorter podcast to feel especially after last week's podcast um the total runtime i think was an hour and 12 minutes yeah so yeah i i finished editing it today and maybe we'll cut it up i almost thought about breaking it up into two separate ones but we'll see it was great great recording with the girls last week um yeah, it was it was a good podcast and great to re-listen to. So happy we did it, and I hope that the listeners enjoy it as well. Um, so yeah, but nevertheless, um, for Mason and I, we have a big upcoming event in the next what two weeks uh, already? Um, less than two weeks. Two weeks, yeah. So, Ooh, yeah. um, me and Mason of the groups up are probably the two biggest city boys um and what do city boys naturally like to do we like to go camping right (laughs) the city boys is just an interesting term but um in terms of like i'm more comfortable in my in my what is it called the dwelling in a local community rather than spending long exorbitant amounts of time out in the wilderness which is beautiful, but just not always comfortable. We yeah. have a long way to phrase that. <laughs> yeah, that and I don't know. I think for me, for me personally, it's like, well, I know what it's like to stay in a cabin versus staying in a tent. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So oh, essentially what we're going to be doing in two weeks is for the 4th of July, um, our friend Kyle, who if you listens to this, thank you for like organizing this kyle we appreciate it we love you um 
but he wanted to uh go camping um and like do it normally i think i don't know exactly what location we're going to i want to say devil's lake area but not a hundred percent sure on that it, our texting and communication is horrific um it's like splotchy and like sometimes it's at seven in the morning or like i think doug texted at midnight last night um <laughs> it, it's but we're going for over the fourth um and spending some time as friends um being in nature and it's just uh, an event for us all to hang out um which is great and everything it's just i wanted to talk about it today because it's like uh, camping i don't know i feel like i don't really hear many people going camping anymore you know yeah nowadays like i said are we camping camping or are we camper camping and the people that are camper people out there might have some qualms about that but i don't know i'm i'm of the opinion that being in a camper is not technically camping the way that we've always thought it to be yeah i i would have to agree with that and it's like well i've camped before in cabins um never like a hotel and stayed at a campground which is something that people do um yeah but uh there is i've been in a cabin which you know it just feels like any other kind of cabin trip uh the tent i have done for a long time um before that and now that i'm getting older i just don't see there's like you know really value in it other than saving money maybe um to be yeah. and and stuff and like get the experience like this we, we we're so attached to society nowadays or like technology these days that like it it doesn't it doesn't seem right yeah for me like yeah because i guess those that are avid in this kind of realm are going to advocate for the idea that it's being closer to nature mm. and you know kind of experiencing it firsthand um the, the way that i always kind of think of it though is like there's a reason why us as human beings and kind of the civilizations and the architectures that we've designed are so much far and away that superior of the rest of really the rest of creation in a sense and i don't think it's a bad idea at all to experience nature in a way like I'm I'm a big hiker, of course. I like biking um, and exploring and stuff like that, you know, on a casual sense. But to get down and, like, actually have a, a lifestyle, whereas, like, I'm living in a house, but instead I'm just living out of the yard or in the middle of the woods, whatever the case is. No, I, I don't find the appeal to that extremely attractive. And I think that's kind of what you're kind of directing this conversation towards the way that you're making it sound. Yeah, no, that's that's where i wanted to go is it's like um i mean there's countries right now that don't have fully established uh buildings and stuff that we live like we live in here in the united states and that we for sure yeah like are privileged to be in but i think there's a we start to lose value of a lot of things that like you look back maybe 30 40 years ago pre-internet that like they say that internet shifted the world and yeah we like it's pretty evident that it has um but like you see this huge shift of, from like even just recreational leisure activity being upgraded from the traditional campsite setting to doing something a little bit more modern a little bit more contained like i'm not saying that being in a tent and in a sleeping bag isn't contained but it's a little bit more comforting to be in a camper or in a cabin setting and it's relatively 
inexpensive to just go with that upgraded path as long as you're getting your use out of it and that's kind of just like everything so everything's more widely available and mainstreamed that because of those we'll call them economic barriers within the united states we kind of start to lose that sentimental value of roughing it out in the the wild while we enjoy our leisure activities but like as mason said we we still like to partake in all those events such as hiking and you know jumping out in the lake and stuff in like your underwear or whatever whatever it may be you know i don't know about that (laughs) but i get your idea yeah it's the whole idea of being with friends too and it's like there are very few things i wouldn't do to hang out with guys like you and the rest of our friends, you know, the special bond that we have growing up for as long as we did together. Um, but to your point of like, just the kind of where this conversation is, like one of my biggest like personal aspirations in life, like one of the things that I like most look forward to, of course, I say this in a sense of like, I don't believe that I can just manifest or a person can manifest their own destiny. Of course, it all happens in the due process that you know, God allows to happen in your life. But like one of the things I really look forward to and hopefully will have the opportunity to have is like my own lake house or a cabin of some sort um, at some point in my life. And I think that kind of perfectly gives an illustration of how I feel on this topic where it's like, I am very comfortable spending all day during the sunlight hours out on the lake, out in the woods, doing whatever it is. But once it's, you know, time for night, darkness, I'm going to be unconscious in my unconscious. Wow. The pronunciation (laughs) unconscious in my sleep. You know, I want to have those, those safety nets that we're able to afford and produce and build uh, to keep us away from whatever it is out there. Um, Not saying that like bears or weather is an imminent threat every single night, but there's reasons for the shelters that we have. And I know my mind always goes to the worst of the worst when it comes to considering what could happen. But I, I typically think that way because it keeps me from going overboard um, and doing stuff that seems a little reckless without the reward, um, which is definitely a topic of interest as of late, of course. Yeah, I, for me, when it comes down to at night and the comfort of like sleeping, it, it really falls down to two things. One, temperature control. That's the biggest thing for me. Um, and then the second thing is being outside versus inside is the mosquitoes. Yeah, like, yep. Uh, that for me is just the, like, I can't do that. I, I don't know it, why. It just annoys you, the crap out of me. You can never fully tent proof for mosquitoes or any other bugs like that. And the weather thing is so right because even living here um, in this state at this time of year, especially if you don't have sufficient air conditioning all throughout your apartment or house or wherever you're living in you're you're sleeping with box fans at night it is definitely not the most pleasant experience um and to throw yourself out in the nature with that element is definitely not ideal and i know that kind of some people might think that's soft or whatever um but i don't i don't see it that way all right yeah so this week we have ranked up it's been a little bit I think three weeks now, correct me if I'm wrong, that uh, we've had a ranked up. Of course, I personally love to make rankings of all sorts. Typically, it has to do with sports. That was an un- un- unintentional rhyme. Um, but <laughs> I typically like to think of those regards, you know, creating my own ranking systems. It's something that I've 
really in tune with. And so for this segment, I like to bring out my ideas that I have in my mind and compare them with the audiences and with you specifically, Bryce, on this show um, and see if this comparison, if we have any hot takes, um, that's kind of the world I like to live in here with this kind of idea. So I know the first ranked up, we did 10 through one all consecutively, but I believe we're going to take a pause after number six, halfway through, if that's still the idea. Yep. Let's do that. All right. All right, sweet. So kind of on the topic of what we were talking about camping wise, um, living in the state of Wisconsin, which I've been to 19 states in this country. Of course, that's not overly impressive. But out of all the states that I have spent time in, I can say, and maybe it's as biased, but Wisconsin is the best and greatest state to live in when you consider all different types of things to do and the weather um, and, you know, a bunch of other factors. So I love Wisconsin. I've been to a lot of different places in Wisconsin, done a lot of different things. And so this ranked up, we are focusing on the top 10 places to visit or things to do in the state of Wisconsin as dictated by me, Mason. Um, So we're going to get into it. Before we get into the top 10, I want to give some notable omissions because this list, to be on this list, it has to be a place that I have specifically been to and there are definitely things and places that I have not been to that would make almost anybody's list. Um, but I cannot put them on my list simply for the fact that I don't know how to rate it because I haven't been there. So just a quick notable omissions. Um, ironically, what we were just talking about, Devil's Lake State Park. I've actually never been there. Um, also, Whistling Straits Golf Course, uh, the Apostles Islands in the Lake Superior area up by Duluth, Minnesota. Yeah, and you have the Harley Davidson Museum and the Milwaukee Art Museum both in the city of Milwaukee. Mm. Um, I also, now nah, we'll save the uh, honorable mentions for the end, just in case people are guessing um, before mm. I get to number 10. So we'll start at number 10. We have High Cliff State Park. Um, High Cliff State Park, I have been there, oh gosh, probably 15, 20 times. Um, <laughs> it has been a lot. It, uh, growing up in high school, it was definitely a place where a lot of friends went to hang out. Uh, it's located right off of Lake Winnebago. It's a state park. They've got great hiking trails there. I've always enjoyed every time I go there. Um, also been swimming there a couple times. Number nine is a place I haven't been to in a while, but it is the EAA convention that is hosted every year in Oshkosh. They bring in a bunch of airplanes um, and other fun summer activities for people to go to and get to experience. Um, fun fact, I personally, along with my sister, Oh, years ago, got the opportunity to fly in a plane with the co-pilot of the Miracle on the Hudson landing, uh, Jeff Skiles. We got to fly in a plane with him. Yeah. Fun fact about me, that was at EAA. Um, number eight, we have, shout out lacrosse, we have Granddad's Bluff. Mm. And the hiking trails in that area, um, I don't know really what to call that, but I knew I had to put something in lacrosse on my list. And this is probably the thing to... Um, do for casual people outside of the lacrosse area. This is the number one thing you probably think of, at least in my mind, other than maybe the St. Croix River. But I love hiking. The view that you have over the campus, over the rest of the city, um, just a great, great time. So we have Granddad's Bluff at eight. Number seven, we have Miller Park, now known as American Family Field. Um, in the summertime, it's always great to get out to a baseball game or two. The Brewers historically are not always one of the greatest teams in the league, but it's a great stadium. It's definitely a top five stadium in the in the league, in my opinion. And 
I just enjoy going there in the Milwaukee area. And then number six, the last thing I'll mention before we make our intermission is the Milwaukee River Walk in downtown Milwaukee. Um, I don't know how many people might have had the opportunity to do this, but there's a nice little trail that goes past the Milwaukee River in that downtown area, goes up toward Pfizer Forum where the Bucks play. And downtown Milwaukee, there's um, you, you go by the skyscrapers of the city, you go by the downtown market um, and different things to do, just experiencing the city very safe vibes during the middle of the day. Uh, it was a pleasant experience there. So that's what I got for the first five off the list. Any comments you want to make, Bryce? Yeah, I think those are really great uh, places. Um, I mean, High Cliff and Sherwood's pretty good. Um, Lacrosse obviously hits my heartstrings. Um, <laughs> it's beautiful, beautiful over there. Lots of great memories on the bluffs too. Um, every any time of the season, it's just anywhere in that the bluff region is great. Um, uh, I, the biggest thing that that stuck out to me um, was actually from your missions that you put on there. And, okay. Um, and it was the Milwaukee Art Museum. Um, I thought mm. I think that the Milwaukee Art Museum is actually really spectacular. Um, I have gone to the Carnegie Museum of Art in Pittsburgh. Um, I mean the the Carnegie Museum of Natural History is like totally up my alley so like i i went to that but i also looked at the art and it was just so underwhelming compared to the milwaukee art museum when i visited the art, milwaukee art museum um for somebody that isn't really engaged in the arts i did think it was pretty like cool and like a must thing um if you're in like the milwaukee area to check out um and i would probably what was your number nine again number nine i had eaa eaa yeah see I'm not, I really don't think EA is that cool. I would probably switch the Milwaukee it's, Art Museum with the EAA and then toss EAA in my honorable mentions because, mm-hmm. um, yes, I also went to the EAA as a child and, you know, I, I felt that was really underwhelming. I never really found the excitement in it. Um, it'd be different if I had the experience like you did, though, if I got to mm-hmm. fly in a plane with right, somebody yeah, like yeah. that. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's not really that cool. It's kind of like if you, what kind of feels to me i've never been to a car show before but i i'm that's kind of the the vibe i get when i got gotcha. yeah to that so it's you know i will not say overly well yeah 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 i i totally hear that i definitely understand that uh perspective so i got no hate with it um, um of course I, I mentioned that they're in the omissions because they're places that i haven't been to yeah. but the way that you described the milwaukee art museum you know i like much like you, I am not someone who is a big avid, you know, painter, art, that kind of art realm person. But I do appreciate like historical pieces um, and the time and effort that is put into it. Uh, but in in general, I am a huge museum fan. I don't go to a lot of museums because I don't live in an area that has a lot of museums. But I'm someone that really appreciates history and artifacts. And I really do um I really do love museums. So if I, that's why I put those two museums on there, because if I had the opportunity to go there, there is a good chance that at least one of them would be on the list. I mean, I remember going to the Milwaukee County or Milwaukee public museum um, Mm -hmm. when I was younger and got to see one of the dead sea scrolls that was there at the time, um, as as well as like dinosaur fossils. Those are like my two big things. (laughs) Um, Dinosaurs, younger me and now dead sea scrolls, current me. So it's, that was really cool. But uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, before we get into the top five, 
I do want to mention that for those of you that are looking forward to things that might be in southwest Wisconsin, maybe toward the Platteville area, um, boiler alert, you're not going to find anything on there because I didn't spend a lot of time down there. And even if we're being honest, there's not a lot to do down there from my experience anyways. Sorry to those of you in that area that might um, <laughs> might not like that statement, but I find that to be a true statement. Also, I want to say the northwest part of the state, you know, toward Eau Claire, Chippewa Falls, definitely towards Superior. Also, I have not mm -hmm. been in that area a lot, um, so not going to find stuff on there. Um, but the Lake Superior area is definitely one that I hope to get to someday. So let's get into it. Top five. Um, number five is a place that I have been to within the past uh, eight days. Last Tuesday, I took a trip down to Madison and got the tour for myself, the Wisconsin Capitol building. Mm. Uh, when you look at a list of the Capitol buildings in the United States, it seems that almost every list unanimously has Wisconsin in the top five for most beautifully designed um, and models the the country's Capitol building in Washington, D.C. has a nice feature to it, you know, like the X hallways and just being inside of it, looking at the marble stone and all the stuff that gets put into building it. It's a, it's a remarkable building. Um, really cool history stuff, of course, as I mentioned. That's kind of the stuff I like. Mm -hmm. I have that at five. Number four might be a little general, but I don't really know how to pinpoint a specific part of this, and that is Door County. Mm -hmm. And Door County is just phenomenal. You got a lot of wineries up there for those of you that like that, but there's also a couple of state parks. Um, you go by the water by Sturgeon Bay or any part of the peninsula by the water, and you see these big ferry boats coming in. Um, again, a lot to do there. Pretty warm weather. It's a great kind of up north destination place for people that live in southern Wisconsin during the summer months. Good reason why. If you haven't been there, obviously highly, highly recommend. Sorry, that at four. Number three um, also might be pretty general, but just the element of being up north in upper Wisconsin. Up, up during, north, baby. Yeah, during especially during the summer months because I myself personally am not a hunter. Um, I do fish here and there, but I'm not a huge fisher. But for those of you that do either of those on a regular basis, this might be a different um, you might have different experiences going up north if that's what you do. But just for me as leisure, summer activities, I'm talking like specifically Eagle River and Minocqua areas. Those are really popular. But any small town kind of vibe where you're in the pine trees and it's super hot outside and you're by the lake um, and you're together with friends. I feel like there's a rummage sale every week in those small towns. It's just a great vibe, especially around the 4th of July. It like very few things get myself eternally happy more than the thought of those kind of days. So that that definitely was a general thing, but it definitely makes my list very, very high. We get to the top two. Um, number two, we have, this was a little tough debating between one and two, but I had to go with this order. I have number two, the Wisconsin Dells. And I've been to Wisconsin Dells, oh, probably about 15, 20 I don't know if 20 might be a little on the high end, but definitely very many times in the summer, it is almost, it, well, in the summer, it is unbeatable in the state of Wisconsin. Of course, people call it the water park capital of the world, but even me not being a super big water park person, there's always something enjoyable to do in Wisconsin Dells. They got a nice little strip there um, right by the water. You can take duck tours on the water. There's 
some it's it's like a kind of like an up north kind of vibe but in the south and it's much much larger with a lot of tourists there three great massive hotels that i've been to all of them um, me as a basketball person high school basketball the just a game field house is also a great visit there's so much to do there um that it makes my list very high it was almost number one because of how much fun i've had there in the times that i've been there but after debating about it here and there and trying to fight the idea of maybe i'm a little biased and putting it number one but only because i've been there like very very many times it's got to be at least 30 times but i don't think in wisconsin like when you think of tourist things in wisconsin the first thing that comes to your mind more likely than not is lambeau field yeah, and lambeau. yep i I had to go Lambeau Field number one. I did grow up about 20 minutes south of the stadium. So call me biased or whatnot, but going to Packer game every single year, um, it's just unlike any other stadium atmosphere in sports. And now they're doing a great job of building the Titletown district right across the streets. Of course, we've mentioned they're going to be hosting the NFL draft in a couple of years. The Packers tradition and the success that they've had over the years, um, being in there during a day game, night game, whatever the case may be, it's in and the Packers franchise being as successful and well run and widely recognizable as it is in such a small kind of market is also a special hometown kind of vibe that growing up very close to the stadium over the course of my life has made me feel a little bit deeper down a greater appreciation for the Packers than any other sports team, even though football necessarily isn't my favorite sport um, makes that's the reason why I have Lambeau Field above Wisconsin Dells as the number one place to visit or things to do in the state of Wisconsin. What were your uh, honorable mentions? Oh, right. Um, honorable mentions. I want to shout out Bay Beach, which is very close to Lambeau Field. We have the Milwaukee County Museum, which I alluded to earlier. We have Lake Winnebago. It was kind of a general term, but you know, fishing, swimming, things to do. Red Granite Quarry. Shout out to that. It's a very small area. Um, and there's a lot of controversy around it uh, throughout the years, but pretty sure it's safe. closed down too. I don't. Actually. I know it was closed down during COVID, but I don't know if it's since reopened. Mm. Um, I know the. I mean, I was, like I said, there's a lot of controversy there. But as long as you're safe and sober um, and making good decisions, it is a really fun time there. Um, and Lake Geneva as well, um, down by the Illinois border, is I've heard great things there too. So. I didn't mention those at the beginning because I don't know if people might have had those in their top 10. And if they heard that right off the bat, then they would be in for a loop. But that concludes this week's Ranked Up. Oh, that was a pretty good top five. Um, the only comments I have is personally not a huge fan of the Dells. Um, what? So I, that is a hot take. If, if anything, I probably would put it in my bottom half of the top 10. Oh, um, but I don't know what I would shift upwards. Um, and I would have to really have to take some time because other things that I would like talk about are like would like to put on there are um, the Milwaukee Fairgrounds and like the Milwaukee, um, just like the Wisconsin State Fair in general. Oh, that was a miss. Um, that, was definitely yep, a miss. That, that one's a big one for me. Um, I'm surprised you yep. didn't put F Pfizer Forum in itself. Mm. Um, and then the other thing I was going to say is, um, like, you you tied it in at, towards the end of it, but, like, Green, the, the, the Titletown District and Lambeau Field all lumped into one is just beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it's not like you can spend, like, three days there, but it's, like, 
you get a good, you could get two days out of it and have a pretty solid two days worth of leisure, I think. Um, oh yeah, for in sure. In the area, sure. um, you have to venture out a little bit farther to make three days out of it. But yeah, I think I think that entire area is just beautiful. Yeah, and what they're doing in that small town, like I said, uh, to really make their brand great is is really cool, especially growing up pretty close to the stadium. But um, yeah, the Wisconsin State Fair would have been in my omissions because that's another place I haven't been to. So, but I can't believe the Wisconsin Dells comment, man. That that's kind of crazy to me. <laughs> I don't yeah, think a lot of people are going to agree with you on that. I don't know. Maybe it's just I don't I don't like water like water parks too much. Like for me, I'd rather just be at a lake. Like I, there's yeah. nothing special. I'd rather go to Great like Great America than a water like a water park personally. But yeah, I don't know. That's that's step. It's probably definitely a hot take. Um, but yeah, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what people have to say. All right. So for our last segment of the podcast, we're going to talk about. Um, we're going to do the Sups React um, skit that we had talked about um, a couple times on this podcast or segment on some pretty pretty interesting news, I'd say. So just this week, there was a what is it called a, a submersible vessel or something like yeah. that yeah um, that sounds right it's it's not technically a submarine because it's not self-sustaining but essentially what it what this uh submersive vehicle um is like such a big deal is um it has five people in it right now um as we we were talking right now at the bottom of the ocean um what was intended to be looking at the titanic um, and we wanted to discuss this on the podcast because it's pretty big news um, because because it's not self-sustaining, it is not punching out any sort of oxygen. And so the people down there have been missing. Um, they lost track of it, and there's hours left in their oxygen capacity. So it's quite a big deal right now. Yeah, I just thinking about it, like in the grand scheme of things, I think this has the opportunity to be uh, one of, if not the single most interesting, most relevant news story of this calendar year. It's definitely mm-hmm. going to be up there at the end of it. And it's just another weird thing to kind of be talking about it right now as it is like currently live happening. Like we still, like you mentioned, the oxygen tanks are running low. But they haven't expired as of this point. But yet, at the same time, we don't even know if all the people on on board are still alive, if the ship is even out there. Uh, there's just a lot going on. And by the time this is released, of course, we'll all kind of have a better, hopefully at least a better conclusion as to what happened for um, the sake of the people on board, of course. But just watching it unfold in real time, it's one of those weird things where it's like you're you realize that you're living in the midst of something that is going to be looked back on in history and you're like actively like a part not part of it but like actively living in the world while people are trying to figure this out and this is still going on yeah i i want to point out that uh, just to set up the frame up this discussion a little bit more um we have in within the last decade now we're coming up to almost 10 the 10 year anniversary of the missing malaysian airlines flight 370 which is you're probably like oh what's the relevance well we here today uh, talking about this submersive vehicle that is supposedly untrackable and unable to reach at, I think it's like two and a half miles deep underwater, um, carrying passengers with a lot of money 
um and i don't like the people that are on board um there's they, two billionaires they, yeah. there's two billionaires and like i don't know them i've never heard of them before until this so like they're not like big in my realm but i know they're big to like some people like some um communities and stuff but for it to be very like high class people for it to be within a 10 year frame of a what should have been trackable airplane um flight just disappear and we still don't know about it that something like this could happen um especially given today's modern technology and all that it's it's kind of crazy to think about the i mean they they sign waivers whatever um mm -hmm. but the fact that we still allow things like this to exist is it it, it kind of shows this like side of humanity that's a little bit darker like or like maybe less thought out if that makes sense like we're still not taking the proper precautions for doing things that should be i mean the malaysian airlines flight 370 should be very benign like it's just regular consumer um seller interactions between like just um traveling right but this consumer um seller interaction for something that sounds cool but if you get into the details of like how this rig was made and stuff and like what they can actually see while they're there, mm -hmm. like it almost seems pointless. Yeah. Um, I, and for I the was... price, like $250,000, you're telling me that five of those pats. So there's five people on board. One person is probably guiding it. So that means four, between the four people in there, that's a million dollars for one trip they couldn't design, design it a rig that has some sort of ping device and i know that gravity starts to become a huge issue when you're two and a half miles deep underwater um because of not only the water but also just like how far away you are or how close you are to the center of the earth um and stuff like that but man i don't know it's a scary thing for sure and you referenced exactly what a lot of people out in the world are talking about right now is like the fact that this ship or this this device that they're in was not certified by any legitimate, you know, government entity or, or whatever the case is. Um, you look at kind of the way that this is put together. Of course, the joke is like the $30 Xbox controller that is controlling the ship. Um, mm -hmm. And there's just a lot of questions right now. Like we have a lot more questions and answers, of course, because it, it's, it, it's just a scary thought, first of all, to be trapped that far underwater. Um, without the ability to survive because you know like you're going to run out of oxygen at this point it's got to be like around 12 hours left so that's the other part of it where it's we have a lot of these questions but the fact is that we're still in a race against time there's a possibility that they're out there and you hear all these crazy figures and numbers like that they're covering an area twice the size of connecticut um it's wild and that this new French robot is coming down to try to rescue them, but it has to take the trip to get to the Titanic wreckage, which is 400 miles off the coast of Canada, um, Newfoundland specifically. It's, mm -hmm. There's a lot going on. And of course, you can talk about the ship, but the very fact of the matter is I, I think it's interesting that you compared it to the Malaysian flight because that is what I thought about earlier today. Not in great detail, but it is something that I thought about is like a missing um a missing voyage of some sort the the difference here though is like it's it's one thing uh to fly on an airplane just like a, unless i'm mistaken because i don't know a lot about the malaysian flight 
But if it's just a regular passenger plane that just goes missing versus uh, five you know, very prominent, wealthy individuals who are making a trip that over 100 people have already made a trip down to see, it's not like that they're it's not like they're going down the Mariana Trench, which is something that like three people have ever done. They're they're going to check out a pretty much an underwater museum, which of course is hard to get to. But it, we do have good footage and pictures and results of the Titanic wreck. It's not like we don't. There's like not a lot to know about it. Um, but still, to make the decision to do that, uh, it's it's definitely something that you know tying it all together from the conversation we had earlier about you know, just merely camping out in the woods. It's like, what is the risk to reward ratio? And me as a person that I don't even know if it's really worth risking sleeping out in a tent in the woods. Um, when you think about how grand and vast the ocean is and the elements that play into it, it definitely is sobering thought for, you know, someone like me. And I'm sure there's millions of other people that are reacting the same way. It's a sad thought. Yeah. I'm I'm 100% with you. So, I mean, kind of just wrap it up. This is like we here as a podcast, you know, pour our hearts and extend like extend our prayers over to the people involved in all of this. Um, but at the same time, we also like want to call out just kind of like be safe out there, everybody. Um, you know, not everything is as cut and dry. Um, these people reluctantly paid $250,000 for these trips. Um, and as Mason mentioned, unregulated. So just kind of keep that in perspective. I mean, I'm not trying to tell you guys to be scared of the world, but no, it, it doesn't have to be scared of the world because it's one thing to just you know walk outside and be afraid of everyday life around you. It's another thing to actively go into the situation that they you know consensually and decided to go into, which is something that, of course, is very very dangerous mm -hmm, for sure. Everybody, Bryce, as previously mentioned, this was going on live when we recorded this, and we record these a week in advance, so if you haven't been following the news, unfortunately, um, the submersible vehicle that was exploring the Titanic was found to have imploded upon investigation and searching. Uh, news coverage and detection did go all the way up until um, what they had thought is the point where they would have ran out of oxygen. Again, we said it earlier in the podcast, but, uh, you know, thoughts and prayers to the family um, involved in this. All right. Well, that's all we have for you guys today. Um, shorter podcast. Uh, I, I probably ended up being about the same time as a normal podcast today. We ended up talking quite a bit. Um, and after editing, it'll probably be about 40-ish minutes, I want to say, maybe a little bit over. So uh, I just want to thank everybody again for listening. Um, I think we're on the back half of the season already. We're already at episode, this would be episode five. Yeah. So this is either marking the back half or turning into the back half of the, the season. So we just want to th say thank you um, for everything. If you guys can, please share this podcast. Any shout outs for you this week, Mason? Um. Man, shout out, of course, kind of heavy topic still, but we just talked about, but shout out to all the people um, from United States, Canada, and any other country that's being deployed right now and, you know, kind of risking their own lives in a sense, being in the ocean to find these passengers, hopefully that are still alive and seeking help. Um, may God be with them. Yep. And I would like just to shout out um, my family. They've been super happy and fun this week. 
and it's always good to have a super happy and fun family this week. It's a great way to live life, you know what I'm saying? So, and then shout out to all of my friends, especially Kyle, for planning the the trip for us this upcoming uh, holiday soon. So, uh, next week we should have Andy back, but for the time being, it's been Bryce and Mason. <laughs>